Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Good morning, everybody. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there, so get your Bibles out. And uh, we're going to enjoy our time together this morning. And... uh, I want you to buckle up, buttercup, all right? <laughs> Psalm 90, 14 says, sing for joy and be glad all our days. But, but pastor, I have problems. Well, don't we all have problems? Uh, Paul chained to the prison floor said, it's time to rejoice in the Lord always. So we're gonna praise him all the time in spite of our circumstances, not because of them. So, Father, we come to you today. We ask that you would walk with us through our troubles, through our difficulties, through sickness, through strained relationships, that you would be with us in the middle of the storm. Father, be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know the phrase, it came to pass? It came to pass. Whatever it is that you're going through, it came to pass. And if you've ever thought about um, walking, the the question goes, how far can you walk into a forest? You can only walk halfway because the rest of the time you're walking out, exactly. And so God promises to be with us through the middle of our difficulties. And in Isaiah 43, 2, the scripture says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you when you pass through them. Not when you camp out there and hang out there, but when you pass through them. And so I want to take just a minute and look at Paul's uh, second missionary journey. He went on three, but in his second one, he ended up in quite an interesting storm. Now, I'm not talking about a storm in a boat, though he went through those types of things. I'm talking about something else. I'm going to read to you, and you can follow along, out of Acts chapter 16, beginning at the 16th verse. Once, when we were going, this is Paul and Silas, when we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future, the spirit of divination, right? And she earned a great deal of money for her owners, fortune teller, and the girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are the servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Isn't it interesting that not all of your, not all of your fans really want you to succeed, And so she kept this up for for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Well, that didn't, that was good for her, but not everybody else. Because when the owners of the slave girl realized their hope of making all that money was now gone, the goose that laid the golden egg had been released, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace. So... They needed to face the authorities, so they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men here, these Jews, they're throwing our city into an uproar. They're advocating all kinds of customs, unlawful for us Romans to keep and accept this type of practice. And the crowd then joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates, ordered them to be stripped, then beaten, and then severely flogged. They were then thrown into the prison. And the jailer was then commanded to guard them carefully. And upon receiving such orders, he put them on the, in the inner cell of the jail and he fastened their feet into stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came off. The jailer woke up. When he saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself because when you were a jailer back in the day and your prisoners escaped, the death penalty was yours. That's why you wanted to keep a good eye on the prisoners. He said, I'm just going to off myself. It's much better than having Rome do it for me. And so he was about to kill himself uh, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought uh, them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. All right, so let's take a minute here. Look at verse number 19. It says, they released this this, uh, slave girl from this demonic oppression and as a result, listen, and as a result of doing the right thing, As a result of doing the right thing, they got thrown in prison. They did the right thing. And the the payback was stripped, flogged, and thrown into prison. Then in verse 22, I find it interesting. It says, then the crowd joined in the attack. Oh, look at that. Larry's not having a good day. Let's beat him up. And then everybody's, oh, you know, it's like the dog pile in grade school where everybody decided they were going to get a piece of you. Isn't that how it goes? Right? <laughs> I, I, I have flashbacks in the school lunchroom or in the hallway. Some, you hear a faint noise that says, fight! <laughs> what do you do? You don't run the other way. At least I didn't. I ran towards the fight to see what was going on and see if I wanted to get involved. This is what the whole town did. They got involved. Verse 23, about uh, 23, they were severely flogged, thrown into prison, and put in the inner, inner cell of the prison. Now, let's just talk a second. Let's just talk about a second about a storm. Paul had been through storms. We're talking about boats and waves, but this is another type of storm. You may not be in a boat and a wave type of storm, but we all have these types of storms in our life where we're just going along, minding our own business, doing the right thing, and next thing you know, we get beat. We get flogged, and then they dogpile on us, and it just seems like the whole world is against you. You get thrown in a proverbial prison. That's a storm. They did the right thing and they ended up in jail. Let that sink in. I mean, the crowd chose Barabbas. Not because they loved Barabbas, but they hated the truth. Capital T. They might not love you, but they hate who's in you. So, despite the storm, the persecution, the difficult circumstances, they didn't give up. They didn't lose heart. They didn't abandon their faith. Instead, they turned to God, right? They lift their voices in prayer and praise because they knew they were just passing through. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Now, when you hang out, when you just pass through, I'll be with you in the middle of your storm. Instead of complaining, oh, man. Instead of crying and cursing and 
things like I would tend to do, like let's organize a revolt, let's do that. You with me? You with me? Let's go. You slit his throat, I'll break his kneecaps, we'll get out of here. No? You would want me there. But that's not what they did. Instead of plotting their release and spitting on the jailer and boo-hoo-hooing, why am I in jail, God? Why am I in jail? That's the storm. God left me, or best, he forgot me. Here's what they chose to do. They prayed and they sang in the storm. Praying and singing, verse 25, then verse 26. Then the extraordinary result happened. What happened? There was an early, a violent earthquake. The whole place shook. Then their chains fell off. Doors fly open. And they make a mad dash. No. Nope. Although that's amazing, what did they do right in the middle of their storm? They were praising God and they did the right thing. What is the right thing? Deuteronomy 30, 15 says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity or death and destruction. That's the choice you have. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to possess. So what's the right thing to do in the middle of your storm? Complain and boo-hoo. And why me? Why me? Yeah, we all have a tendency to do that. I am the revolt kind, but God jerks the slack out of my chain, says Eric. You battle not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities. So what's the right thing? Well, they worship the Lord, even while being persecuted. Even while being flogged in the marketplace, chained up in the inner cell, you got to praise him in the storm, in the storm, not because of the storm, but praise him in the storm. Your, may, your neighbor may need to hear that. And I can certainly say, hey, tell your neighbor, praise him in the storm. But how about you tell yourself? You got to praise him in the middle of your storm. You got to praise him in the middle of your storm. Paul and Silas's freedom and deliverance was remarkable. Prison doors flew open, chains fell off, they were freed. What a great story. The point of the account is a little bit more than that, though. I think the super wow, the aha, the uber moment in the whole story, for me, besides, listen, Paul and Silas are already saved, right? Let's just backtrack, they're already saved. So, God, you really need to do this for me, but even if he doesn't, a la Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's still God, right? So God's gonna take care of what God needs to do. So there is something at work, perhaps in someone else's life, observing you in your storm that will produce a harvest of souls because you're already saved, right? And he's not some sort of uh, slot machine or Santa Claus that he's got to answer every whim that you and I have about our tough situation. And yeah, I'm not belittling your tough situation nor mine, but there's something else in the story. That happens. We're already going to heaven. Could it be that someone's watching you, someone's observing you going through your storm? Going through your difficulty. Could it be that even the very person that flogged you and persecuting you and has the key to your jail cell is watching you? And how you react? Is anybody listening to me this morning? Perhaps they're watching you. 
The jailer that beat them, the jailer who put them in chains, the jailer who was willing to die in order to keep them in jail. That jailer was so moved by what he saw, moved by their faith that he converted and followed Jesus. Now for the rest of the story, Acts 16.32. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, meaning the jailer, and to all those uh, in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all of his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. I will prepare a meal for you in the presence of your enemies before him and filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his entire household. We all face trials. We all face difficulties. We all face storms in life. What is our mission? Our mission is to praise him in the storm, not because of the storm. Psalm 59, 16, I will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble, not because of them. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. The real life event of Paul and Silas reminds us not to despair, but instead turn to God and praise him in the storm. Trust that he's with you. Trust that he's guiding you. Trust that he's empowering you. Trust that he's with you. You're in the middle of your storm. Okay, God's with me. Well, big, fat, hairy deal. He's with me. Big deal. Well, he's not only with you, he's guiding you. Okay, now you're like a blind man looking for a black cat in a dark room. You, you need a guide. You need a guide. So not only is he, hey, I'm right here with you. Wonderful, God, but where am I and how am I going to get out of this forest? How is this storm ever going to end for me? He says, don't worry, I am with you. I will guide you. And not only that, I will empower you. It's one thing to have a guide. You know, but not all guys are good guides. Some guides will lead you right into a ditch. Not every guide graduated with a 4.0 in school. Not every guide is an awesome guide, but he says, I will guide you. God will guide So not only am I with you in your storm, I'm, I am empowering you and I will guide you. That's the type of God who is with you. So look what, closely what happens after God delivered them. So Paul and Silas, they get set free. The chains fall off, the prison doors open. Again, in my flesh, I would make a mad dash. Right? Anybody else? Let's just be honest. I'd make a mad dash. And if I had an opportunity, I'd rah-rah-ree, kick him in the knee as I walked out the door. And say, hey, yeah, just go ahead and off yourself right now, you Roman soldier. But that's not what happened, is it? They didn't seek punitive damages. They didn't seek revenge. They slowed down, they stopped, and they began to minister to this jailer, the person that had been abusing them, the person that had been flogging them, the person that had been guarding them. So strange that they shared their faith in that moment. Praising in the storm will have an impact. It'll have an impact on you, obviously, but it'll have an impact on your relationships around you. When your uncle and your brother and your spouse and your kids and your grandkids see, you know what, mom, dad, they're all stressed out, but look at them. They're still going to church. They're still lifting their hands. 
They're still praising God. They're worshiping the Lord. They're still tithing. They're still involved in ministry. They're still running their connect group. They're still on fire for Jesus, even in the midst of their storm. And maybe, again, it's those people that are around you that want you to be in distress, watching you. How are they going to respond to this? And you just praise the Lord all the more. So there's an effect on you, but there's also an effect on relationships around you. And thirdly, there's an effect on the world around you. Praising through the storm. The impact on you shifts the focus from your problems and your worries to the goodness of God. Praising through the storm. Powerful impact on your relationships. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But what happens is we demonstrate So we all come in here together. We're all in our storms. And you demonstrate in our relationships, you know what? I'm okay. God's with me. It's going to be all right. We should demonstrate unity and love and a commitment. Encourage one another. Share the blessings and the burdens and the powerful impact on the world around us. Something happens on a spiritual level around you when you praise and worship the Lord. That's not your life. That should be your life. And you may be going through a difficulty right now, saying, I, I, really, I really am in a storm. Why don't you just bow your head with me, all of us. Let's just take a second here. And, and Father, in the name of Jesus, as we identify the storms in our life, financial, a lot of you in financial storms, relationship storms, job storms, family storms, emotional storms, Father, be with us. Let there be a difference in us and those around us. And may may our heart of worship and praise, may it not only change our attitude, but may it minister to those around us. If you're in a storm and you don't even know Jesus, now's the moment. You just say, Jesus, I need you. The ship of my life is about to sink. God says, don't worry. When Peter began to sink, It says, Jesus immediately stretched forth his hands when Peter said two words. He said, save me. So perhaps today you just say, save me. Right there where you sit, save me. Save me from my storm. Save me from the situation. Forgive me of my sin. Help me. I will worship you. I will praise you even in the storm. In Jesus' name, amen. That's how it started for you, right? That's how it started for you. Why have, we, why have we drifted from that mooring? That's how it started. But I want to take a minute here, and then we're going to praise the Lord here in just a moment. Uh, corporately worship the Lord a little bit more. But I want to take all of that personal information that I just gave you, how it affects you, right? And you and your family, you and your marriage, you and your kids. And I want to, I, I want to broaden that to a corporate level. We are living in some apocalyptic times right now. Would you call it a storm? I would call it a storm. What should our response be to persecution? What is the response that we should have to the world that's hell-bent on destroying us? The family, the innocence of children, Boys being told they can identify as girls. 
Okay, I can hear you guys moving around back there. Can you just be quiet for a second? I'll call you out when I need you, okay? Thank you. It started with gay marriage. Then it was, you're going to bake my cake. And then it was, you'll use the pronouns that I choose for myself. And then we'll allow men to be in women's restaurants. I'm just talking the last five years, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not talking 50 years. I'm talking the last 100 years. This is what we've slipped down a slippery slope. No, listen, this is just the last five years. You'll call me what I want to be called. Call me thin and rich. From now on, I'm going to be thin and rich. That's, I identify as thin and rich. Men into women's restrooms, allowing minors at drag queen shows. Teachers are allowed to help your children determine their gender. I read this morning, the CDC just did a uh, uh, survey of high school students. One in four, 25% of high school students identify as, I'm not making this up, LGTBQQPIA2S+. That's the new acronym. I mean, just a couple years ago, it was LGB. Then it was T. Then it was B. Then I lost it at QQ and PIA2S+. That's what it is now. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, pansexual, intersex, uh, asexual, two-spirit. That was a new one. The two S is a new one for me. That's because inside of me, I'm not only a man, I'm also a woman. So I have two spirits inside of me. It's called two S. And the plus is, just in case we forgot any of you, we'll cover y'all. We killed a million babies last year. Sanctioned by your government. Yep. Not them, us. We, we, that's our government. School shootings, church shootings, riots in every major city in America. Looting from the drugstore to Walmart. Legalization of drugs. Well, that's not a big deal. Oh, you wait. This was in the newspaper this past week. Possession of controlled substances will be legal in Washington state starting July 1st. Every single drug will be legal in the state of Washington beginning July 1st of this year. Every single drug. I don't have my phone I read in the SJR over the weekend, uh, and I took a, a screenshot of it. Schools trending towards no grades in the name of equity. <laughs> we should all be equal, so no grades. You know how well I would have performed in school with no grades? <laughs> so what's our response? What should our response to the storm be? What should our response to the lies, to the deception of media? What's to be the response of the fascist, totalitarian, out of control, corrupt and void of morality government that now oversees our lives? From the executive branch to the legislative branch to the judges and to every three-letter agency from the CIA, the DEA, the DOD to the FBI to the CIA all the way down to the IRS, they're corrupt. 
and they want you and they're going to arm agents to come after you. Now, not not for them, because it's a dual system. If you haven't figured that out yet, rules for thee, but not for me. That's how it is. Not the world I grew up in, but it's changed. And we need to come to the reality of this is the world we live in today. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do in the storm? What should we do? Uh, Let's form a revolt. No. Though we may want to. And I'll certainly be prepared should someone spark one. But I'm going to praise the Lord in the storm. In the middle of the storm, I will praise him. Why? Because the very same reasons that we praise him individually are the reasons that we praise him corporately. Because it affects us. Because if I, if I, if I spiral down the rabbit hole of the news cycle, I want to buy a lot of guns and I want to hurt the jailer. You don't want to hear this because it's not what really makes you feel good because you want to do something, right? Here's what you can do. Praise the Lord. Why? Because it'll affect you. It'll affect your attitude. It'll rub off on your kids and your spouse and your grandkids and everybody else around you, you and your relationships. And watch this. It also affects the community. It affects those people at large. The world. Prove it. All right, here we go. We'll finish with this, just a couple more minutes. This is the, I said all of that to say this. If you're still not willing to praise the Lord in the midst of your storm, because it'll make a difference on the unsaved, angry people around you, this is your moment. 1 Corinthians 14. Tongues then, Paul writing, are assigned not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. So if the world, or if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say, those people are out of their mind. They come in, everybody's talking in tongues, they're gonna go, this place is nuts, we're out of here. Verse 24, underline it, asterisk, highlight. But if and unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everyone is prophesying. Prophesying. How is it that every one of us, listen to me, how is it that all of us together can be prophesying at the same time? What happens if that happens? Well, if they come in and everyone is prophesying, the result will be what? Those people will be convicted by all that they are a sinner They'll be judged by all. The secrets of their heart will be laid bare. And so he will fall down and worship God and he will exclaim, God is really among them. You know, the Bible says that God is only looking for one thing. Out of all the entire Bible, only one thing God is looking for, those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm not talking sing the most beautiful or sing the most contemporaneous songs have the greatest presentation. No, worship me in spirit and in truth. If you come into this place and you sing the songs, you may not necessarily be singing in spirit. You're not just going through the motions. You're just going through the, your heart isn't in it. I'm telling you, if you worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, that's corporate 
prophesying, people come in, they go, wow, this place, we would say, oh, that's it. This place is on fire. These people really love God. What happens is their heart, can, their heart begins to be convicted about the passion and the love they see you as you worship corporately prophesying in spirit and truth. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. All right, so watch. I'm going to back you up all the way to the book of Chronicles, chapter 25, verse 3. David, together with his commanders of the army, set apart some sons of Asaph, Heman, and Jedithon for the ministry of prophesying. It was the ministry of prophesying. The ministry of prophesying. And oh, look at that. They were actually accompanied by harps and guitars, lyres, and cymbals. I thought they were prophesying. We're all going to talk. No, that's not what the word prophecy is. The Hebrew word for prophecy is Naba. The phonetic spelling is N-A-V-A. Nava. That simply means to speak or sing under divine inspiration. Go to the slide. The next slide there, Rose, if you would, and show them that. The Hebrew word. There it is. So when we talk about prophesying, Corporate prophesying, it's not us all standing up and saying, God is great, though that is part of prophesying. It's also corporate, spirit-filled, on-fire worship of God. Back to 2 Chronicles 25, verse number 2. So the sons of Asaph, they prophesied under the king's supervision. Verse 3, then Jedithin and his sons, all their names, who prophesied using the harp in thanking and praising the Lord. Corporate worship together in spirit is the prophesying that we need to do in the middle of our storm that will change you, will change the relationships around you, and change the world. Even those who are persecuting us will see when we go to the courthouse, when we go to the state house this Saturday afternoon those tickets that you got when you came in, the invitations that you got, take a whole bunch of them, put them all over the place because the church, the body of Christ is going to show up at the state capitol next Saturday. And what are we gonna do? We're gonna have a speech about how corrupt the government is. No, we're gonna worship the Lord. That's what we're gonna do. In the face of those who persecute us. So worship team, come on out. Here's the cornerstone example. Watch this. Saul's trying to kill David in 1 Samuel. He sends a soldier to capture David. 1 Samuel 19. Get the picture. I know there's going to be motion behind me. Pay attention. Hang on for the ride. We're doing this for an economy of time. All right? So what's happening is Saul wants to kill David. And he finds out where David is. And he sends soldiers to go capture and kill David. But David, what is David? David's a worshiper. If he's nothing, he's a worshiper. So here's what happens. Verse 19, the word of the Lord came to Saul. David's in Niatharama. And so he sent men to capture him. But when they saw the groups of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the, Saul, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also prophesied. So here's all these men singing and praising the Lord with David, the men who come to capture David see that and the very truth of 1 Corinthians comes to bear. They're convicted of their sin and they begin to prophesy along with everybody else. Verse 21, Saul was then told about that. He sent some more men and they prophesied too. So he sent another group and they ended up prophesying. Saul sent men a third time and they prophesied, verse 22. Finally, he himself went to Ramah and he went with 
uh, to the great cistern of Seku. And he asked, hey, where's Samuel? Where's David? Over there in Nath, Ramah, they said. So Saul went over there, and he, but the Spirit of God came even upon him, and he walked along prophesying until he got to Nath. He stripped off his clothes, his robes, and he prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay that way all night long. Our corporate worship is corporate prophesying. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in and everyone is prophesying, what happens? He's convicted of his sin. That's what happened in Acts chapter 16. When Paul was delivered, Silas was delivered, those that around him were amazed with what they saw. Yes, it was a miracle. Praise God there was a miracle of an earthquake. That the doors flew open, the chains fell off you and me in the middle of our storm. But the byproduct of greater significance are the people that are watching you in the middle of your storm. And if you will corporately worship, turn your life to worship rather than revenge, God will make a miracle for you. Yes, your personal deliverance, but for those around you, your home, your family. So I'd invite you to stand now. We're going to praise the Lord with a couple more songs of worship. And I want you to worship in the middle of your storm. Up to this point, you've said, you know, it's hard. It's difficult. You came in, you kind of went through the motions. But if you would sacrifice your flesh and you say, God, I need you today and I am going to worship you. God's going to perform a miracle for you and for those around you. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.